So over the last couple of years uh, from serving here in Bedford, one of, one of the things that I've appreciated the most is just getting to know some of the other ministers in our community, uh, how much they love Jesus, how much they love Bedford, Lawrence County, and, and how well they serve our community. We have some, some great churches uh, in this town that are doing some really, really good things. And one of my favorite guys, uh, he's the lead minister out at First Christian Church downtown. His name's Bruce Irvin. Uh, Bruce is, if you know Bruce, he's a, he's a character. He's a lot of fun. Uh, Bruce and I are different in just about every single way. We, we are so different. And yet, anytime I, I hang out with Bruce, anytime we talk over the phone, uh, whenever I'm done with that interaction with Bruce, I always feel like I leave energized and like my faith has just been fueled by by him and his in his excitement for the Lord and for our community and uh, Bruce is an activist uh, he's he's an activist who who just gets stuff done if he sees an injustice he is going to pull people together to make something happen he he's one of the the guys that led the charge uh, for the men's warming center and other social justice ministries that are happening in Bedford doing really good things for people in our community. Uh, in fact, he and I talked about something just this past week that's, uh, that he's pulling together in regards to some changes that are coming up in, in health care here in Indiana and how we can make people aware of, of what it is. Because Bruce saw that and he immediately started thinking about all the people that are going to be affected by that. And as a heart of a pastor and an activist, he wants to do something about it. And you know, Bruce doesn't mind being bold, doesn't mind being a little confrontational sometimes, but he does it because it's for the good of God's kingdom and for the good of, of others. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you are someone like that. And sometimes the activist can kind of rub people the wrong way. Maybe you've been rubbed the wrong way by an activist before. But they get things done for, for God's kingdom and for the good of others. We're in the, the fifth week of our series today called Move, where we've been talking about all the different ways that we worship God, uh, that, that each of us have been designed and created uniquely, and we, we each have kind of a different pathway that we feel most comfortable in worshiping God, not just giving Him love, but also feeling like we're receiving His love when we walk down this pathway. And so, you know, we've, we've talked about the naturalists last week. Some of you feel like you connect to God most when you are outside, outdoors, in nature, taking in the beauty of God's creation. We've talked about the contemplative. Maybe you feel most at home with God and, and giving and receiving love from Him when you're just sitting in His presence. Some of you are the enthusiast, and so worshiping, hands raised, singing out to the Lord, which, man, this morning's worship... I, I, I love the songs that we sing, just the reminder of who God is, what he's done for us, the, the resurrected life that he invites us into. Some of you this morning in worship, you were just engaged and you felt like you were drawing closer to God. And, and today we're, we're looking at two different pathways. We're looking at uh, those like my buddy Bruce, who's the activist, and then we're looking at the caregiver, the caregiver. And so let's just kind of break these down so we can understand what they, what they are, like who they are, what they mean. Activists love God by standing up for righteousness and seeking justice for the poor and the oppressed and the vulnerable in our world. 
And some of us may recoil at the idea of, of being an activist or whenever we're kind of around activists, we think of activists and oftentimes we think of someone who is like their emotional intensity is so strong that they actually do more damage than what they do good. But I'm telling you, we need activists in our world and we need them in our faith. An activist confronts what's wrong and fights against apathy and indifference. And they've changed the course of, of history. When, when Abraham Lincoln met Harriet Beecher Stowe, the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin, it's reported that he said to her, so this is the woman who started the Civil War. <laughs> because of her writings, she, her activism came out in her writings, and it made a difference. And we look at Scripture, and Scripture is, is chock full of activists, we read about bold, prophetic women and men who confronted both regular people and royal leaders, who boldly stood before those who held power of, of a life or death sentence over them, and yet they stood boldly for their faith, and they confronted sin without hesitation. And think about Moses standing before Pharaoh demanding freedom for the Hebrew slaves Think about Elijah confronting the wicked Ahab and Jezebel and standing alone on the mountain against, against those idolatrous leaders waiting for God to answer by fire. John the Baptist confronting King Herod and boldly telling him that he had no right to marry his brother's wife, even though it cost him his very life. And some connect to God best when defending the truth or enlightening others to the plight of the marginalized in our society. That's when they feel like they are, are loving God most, and that's when they feel like they are being most used by God, is in those moments. When they stand up to defend and protect the lives of the unborn, those whose society is just kind of forgotten, pushed to the side. And so a Christian activist is spiritually encouraged by striving to make a genuine difference in the world for Jesus Christ. The caregivers, caregivers love God through acts of mercy and service towards others. That's how they demonstrate their love for God, by serving and caring for others. And for some of you, this is like your sweet spot. This is, this is the, the spiritual pathway that you live and that you walk in. You are more engaged and encouraged when you are helping and serving and assisting those who are in need. You feel closer to God when you are serving rather than singing. You are filled up as you pray for others more than you pray for yourself. You'd rather be a living sermon than sit and listen to a sermon. <laughs> you have the spirit of empathy that makes you cry when others cry, that makes you rejoice when others are happy. And if you can improve another person's life or their circumstances, you feel like that's the greatest thing that you can give to God and to his kingdom. And so the Christian caregiver is, is also spiritually encouraged when they're making a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. And in Luke 10, I think that we see Jesus share the importance of both the activist and the caregiver. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me there. Luke chapter 10. We're going to start this morning in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We'll also have the words up on the screen. And we've been mentioning with, with all of these spiritual pathways that, that while 
they all have strengths and, and, and very important things that they bring to not just the kingdom, but also to the church. Um, every one of them have their strengths. They also all have some pitfalls that they can fall into, some, some, some danger areas. And I think that we see this in both the, the activist and the caregiver. The truth is, is that activists can easily become kind of judgmental and self-righteous. They feel like no one else loves God the way that they love God because no one else stands up for the truth the way that they stand up for it. And that can lead to a sense of elitism, maybe even a resentment towards others in the church or in the world. It can also lead others within the church to feel a little resentful uh, towards them. Maybe see them walking down the hall and they take another aisle way so they don't have to hear one of their, their, their soapboxes again, the thing that they're really passionate about for God's kingdom. For caregivers, they can struggle to take care of themselves because they're constantly surrounded by the pressing needs of, of others. And so, you know, there is a part of, of humility and serving others where we do think of others more than we think about ourselves. But even in Jesus, we see him withdrawing from the crowds caring for his own spiritual and emotional soul so that he can go out and care well for, for others. The downside for some caregivers is that they don't create that margin in their life to get away and to be refueled or to, to tend to their own emotional, spiritual, or physical needs. Caregivers can quickly become enablers. They, they don't let someone face the consequences of their own actions or decisions. And by trying to care for them, they cover up and they enable them to just continue walking down and this pattern of, of unhealthy behaviors. They can easily become frustrated when they feel like others aren't doing enough and they have tendency to place too much of their identity into what they, what they give. Their faith is kind of wrapped up into how they serve others. They don't know what to do with themselves if they don't have someone to take care of. But these are all amazing pathways for people to walk in. And I think that Jesus is kind of the, the we, 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 when we look at Jesus and his life and his teachings, we see every pathway, but especially the activist and the caregiver, we see them in perfect clarity. Jesus was the fulfillment of, of every single one of these, these pathways. And several of you, you've taken the assessment that if you haven't done that yet and you're, you're just curious about it, the, the link is in your bulletin. Uh, you can pick one of those up if you didn't get one on your way in. It's just a, a little five-minute assessment that helps you kind of see what spiritual pathway you most naturally walk down, how you best worship and feel love from God and give love to God. And, and I've had several of you say, I'm kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm high on maybe one or two, but then, you know, I'm, I'm way low on another, or all of mine are kind of, of up here. And, and I'm convinced that the longer that we walk with Jesus, the higher our number is going to be in every single one of these pathways because we begin to see the value of them. We, we see the value in, in getting out there and serving and caring and being an activist, but we also see the value in withdrawing and just focusing and having some time, just me and, me and Jesus. We, we see the, the value of, of enthusiasm and, and worshiping the Lord, but we also see the value of getting away in nature and worshiping Him in His creation. And 
And, and so we, we, sometimes we walk through these pathways because they're the ones that we, we naturally lean towards, but sometimes we walk towards them just out of obedience. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not really an activist. Again, that's where me and my buddy Bruce kind of differ. That's not, it's not a natural pathway for me. In fact, when I took that assessment, it's the lowest one on, on my assessment. Um, and it wasn't even close. <laughs> like, it's that, it's that low. But the truth is, is that there are times where my faith in Jesus calls me to stand up for righteousness, where my faith in Jesus calls me to call out injustices that I see, and, and I can't get away with the excuse of, well, Lord, that's just not who I am, you know, that's, that's for other people. Well, no, we've all been called to this. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of each pathway. He would have been a perfect score in all of the categories. And so there's value in all of them. And I think that we see that in our text today. Look at it with me. Luke chapter 10, again, starting in verse 25. This is what Luke records. He says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, let's pause right here. Because I, I think that Luke gives us some insight into uh, this, this expert in the law's motives and what he's, what he's up to. He kind of gives away his true motives with this little word, test. He stood up to test Jesus. It's, it's a word that, that means to hoping someone will break down under pressure. It's not testing to see what his knowledge is. It's testing, hoping that he's going to break down under, under pressure. It's kind of like an endurance test for an athlete to see how long it takes before their bodies begin to, to break down. This is what this, this, this teacher of the law is doing to, to Jesus. He's not really interested in an answer. He's more interested in creating controversy and trying to trap Jesus with his answer. But, but Jesus picks up on this guy's true motives, and he's not having any of it. And so he turns around and asks him a question. In verse 26, he says, well, what is written in the law? I mean, after all, you're, you're the expert here. You tell me. What is written in the law? How do you read it? And so he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now Jesus gives this, uh, this identical answer in another encounter that he has and so this expert of the law may have been familiar with that, and so he, he is just reciting maybe something that he's already heard Jesus say. He may be reciting something that, that, that some of the, the rabbis have kind of picked up on as these are the, the greatest things, the greatest commandments. And so Jesus says in verse 28, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wasn't done. He wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes in to uh, one of his uh, most famous stories that he told in his ministry, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. This is what he says, starting in verse 30. A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, 
They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, just help us kind of understand the, the situation. Parables that Jesus would tell, they are, they, they are um, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. You know, they, they're, they're things that could have very well happened, but they help us understand what, who God is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and this trip from Jerusalem down to, to Jericho it would have been very familiar to, to people that were hearing this story. Uh, talked about last week that Jerusalem was up on the mountainside, like it was high. And so whenever people talk about going up to Jerusalem, it doesn't matter if they're coming from the south, the east, the west, the, the north. It says that they're going up to Jerusalem because it sat so high up on this, on, on this mountaintop. And, and so when he's talking about going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's literally going down. It's a, it's a 3,500 feet elevation drop between Jerusalem and Jericho. So this is intense. And, and that passageway to, between these two communities was known as the bloody path because it was so dangerous, not only because the road snaked all the way through and the terrain was not very safe, but also because of this very reason right here. I mean, it was a very common occurrence for a situation like this to, to happen. And so the man in this story People would have been like, yeah, well, listen, if you go down that path, you kind of had coming what you got. <laughs> Why would you go that way? So it goes on. The man was attacked. He was beaten. He was robbed. He was left for dead. Verse 31, Jesus says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so here you have a priest, you have a preacher who, if he was up in Jerusalem, was likely carrying out some kind of religious obligation, religious duty, and now he's making his way back down from Jerusalem. He sees this man, beaten, half dead, and he just sidesteps to the other side of the road and continues to walk. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. The Levite, this is kind of like the, the temple assistant, music minister, youth minister, assistant who, who moves to the other side of the road as well. You have these two people that Jesus uses to illustrate it. It would have been like, whoa, godly example. Certainly they would have done something to help this man, and yet they just scooch on by and continue on their journey. And then Jesus says something in verse 33 that may have even caused an audible gasp when people heard it. But a Samaritan, Samaritan was an ethnic outsider, generations of strife, the, the tension was so, so thick between the Jews and the Samaritans, you could cut it with a knife. The Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So it's the Samaritan, the unlikely hero in the story, who comes along bandages his wounds, cleans him up, takes him to a place where he can rest and heal. 
He even pays the innkeeper and promises to make up the difference when he comes back. And so Jesus closes off this story with one more question. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Notice, he couldn't even bring himself to say the words, the Samaritan. (laughs) He could only say the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So in this parable, I think that Jesus plays the role of an activist by telling the story of a caregiver. He plays the role of an activist by telling a story of a caregiver. And he, and he calls out this religious leader. And, and so often, we, when we think about Jesus, we think of him as being just meek and mild. Again, you've, if you've been around, you've heard me say before, they did not crucify Jesus because they liked him and thought he was a good guy. <laughs> he, he, he was an instigator. He, he's pushing back here. He's kind of picking at this religious leader and And he's telling them, listen, you think that you're holy and righteous because you keep all the rules and you know all the right answers, but you are so far from the heart of God that you don't even realize it. He confronts them as an activist by telling a story of a caregiver who, who demonstrates love and compassion. He demonstrates love in action, two things that I believe are near to the heart of God, that God just doesn't want us to come in here and worship and read his word and shake some hands and be a part of some Bible study. He wants us to go out and live this every day of the week. Our faith is about not just what happens in here, but about what happens out there. How do we treat people? How do we love people? How do we serve them? How do we stand up for the weak and the marginalized, the ones that our society just wants to cast away and forget about. Love and action is near to the heart of God, and it should be near to those of us who follow Jesus, because this is what he modeled for us. It's what he taught us. If you're an activist or a caregiver, my guess is that this just kind of comes naturally to you already. I think that one of the lessons that we can learn from this story is that nobody is so important or so wise that they can excuse themselves from helping someone in need. I'm really not that important. (laughs) Neither are you. I'm really not that wise. Neither are you. No one is so important or so wise that they can just let themselves off the hook from helping someone So whether it's standing up for an injustice, speaking out for the vulnerable and the marginalized, serving someone in need, the activist and the caregiver, they demonstrate the compassion and justice that we see in Jesus and we see in the story of the Good Samaritan. So as we wrap up this morning, how can we walk on this pathway? A few ways, real quickly. Number one, if you're an activist, You can actively seek justice for the poor and the oppressed and the vulnerable in our world. You can get involved in things. You can support causes with your finances and with your time. Don't just speak out, but actually get involved. You can treat others impartially and fairly. Be an example, not just for the church, but for 
our, our culture of how to stand up for folks in need. You can serve at Hoosier Hills. Man, that's something that I love that we get to do. Every single month, fourth Tuesday of every month, right in here, we serve about 150 families in our community who are in need of food. And so we come together and we pool resources and time. And Hoosier Hills comes in and we put together a mobile food pantry. And it's a great way to serve if you're an activist, really if you're anybody. Men's Warming Center, get involved in it when it's open. Speak out for it. Knock on our mayor's door because I'm sure she doesn't get enough of that and say we need to keep providing for these men in need. Maybe the county council too, Janie. We don't want to forget about that. <laughs> get things done for people that oftentimes society looks over. You can pray around your community, intercede for your neighbors, walk around government buildings. And just pray for God's wisdom and guidance over our leaders who do give so much to this community. If you're a caregiver, you can serve others in need. Serve others in need of a friend, of a conversation. You can sit quietly by an elderly person's bed, volunteer at the school to read books, watch the children of some tired parents. If you don't know any tired parents, my name's Sean. I'm exhausted. <laughs> You can volunteer at Furniture Giveaway. Again, this is such a great way to be both an activist and a caregiver. We're going to have hundreds of students that have come through our church door up at Bloomington East who maybe have never heard the name of Jesus, and we get to stand up for them. And they're maybe even walking into a community where the political tensions are high. As a church, we need to say, man, we, we tear down walls. We don't build them up for people, that God's kingdom is open to all. And, and we let them know that God's love is for them as well. So you can do that by volunteering. Or if you're a caregiver, you can go and just be a smiling face, a welcoming person. They may not get a whole lot of that when they come into this community, but you can be that for them. Again, you can go out to the lobby get signed up to serve in that. Go to myfga.org to do it. Service that demonstrates the love of Jesus to others is a powerful picture of the gospel in action. When we serve and when we give to others, when our love is not just something that we feel like we have in our hearts or that we say with our mouth, when we actually put our love into action, it is a powerful picture of the gospel. And, and through Jesus, we see both the activist and the caregiver, but, but, but we also see it through the gospel. We see that God was an activist. He did not just sit around and let us die in our sin. He did something about it. He did not just sit idly by. As a good, good father, he came to our rescue and to our defense. And as a caregiver, Jesus stepped in and took our place on the cross so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have new life, we could have hope in a world that oftentimes wants to steal life and take away our hope. Jesus cares for us. And the truth of, of the Good Samaritan is that all of us were that beaten and broken down traveler. And Jesus has come to our defense. Every single one of us at one point in our life or another, this world has beaten us up and it has left us for dead, but yet Jesus is our rescuer and he comes to our defense and he cares for us. He cares for you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done, what's been done to you. God loves you. 
has a purpose and a plan for your life and he has a love for you that knows no end. And this morning as we close, if, if you're ready to take that first step of faith with Jesus, if you're ready to submit your life to him, surrender, and say, Jesus, I need you to, to be my Lord and my Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to do that.